Um, do you ever ask yourself, maybe you do, I do, um, like what are people, when people are around you, what questions do they ask themselves about you? Because I know, like when I'm around people, I ask questions about myself. You know, like, why did I just say that? You, know, you ever meet people for the first time and it's like, oh, why did I just say that? I preached at a new church this morning and I was so scared. I was so anxious that my back started hurting. I was like, ah, because I just didn't want to say the wrong thing. Because I say the wrong thing so often in my own church, but it's like, I get a chance the next week to correct myself, but I'm in a new church this morning. It's scary. Um, but when people are around you, what questions do they ask themselves about you? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's your problem? You ever ask yourself that about somebody? You know? Or like, who does he think he is? You know, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? These kind of questions? Or, you know, or like, uh, maybe just like, how is that person so nice? You ever meet a couple and you're just like, why does she put up with him? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think that's what happens when people meet my wife sometimes. But, or, or how about the Michael Scott line to Toby? Why are you the way that you are? Like, he's just, he's trying to ruin the casino night and he doesn't let the Boy Scouts come. And it's a great episode. Um, but what does, as followers of Jesus or disciples of Jesus, Christians, whatever you want to call us, what does your life say about your Lord? What does your life say about your Lord? What's your life say about Jesus? Or maybe the question we should ask ourselves at times is, um, what questions do our lives provoke in other people? Um, how, like, do, do, do people ask themselves questions about us in a good way, not just in a bad way? And the reason I, I say that is because when people got around Jesus, they started asking themselves questions. Who is this man? Where did he come from? What, like, how, and, and in fact, in Mark chapter four, he's in a boat with the disciples, the winds and the waves, everything's going crazy. You probably know the story if you've been in Sunday school or been around church for a little bit. Mark chapter four um, says that he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. So the, the disciples are going crazy. Jesus is sleeping in the boat and uh, he wakes up and he says, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, he asked them a question, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even in the wind and the sea obey him? One thing I love about Jesus is that he was compelling. Um, Jesus is a, is a compelling person. That When people got around him, they were like, what is going on with this guy? How did, what happened? The way that Jesus lived, his life, his, his way of living made people ask questions. And it's, it's this sort of idea has got my, got my attention. Like, is the way I'm living asking people the right questions? You know, not just like, can that guy get a handle on his kids? Oh my gosh, we're, we're just trying to enjoy our Wendy's here and, and they're splashing ketchup all over the walls, which is a true story that happened at the Wendy's across the street with my son. It was uh, an awkward Sunday afternoon. Um, but does... Our way of living sparked curiosity in people. As we're discipled by Jesus, it's almost like being around a campfire. 
people can start to smell it. You know when you've been to a campfire and you like, maybe you go to work today, the next day in the same jacket and people are like, oh, what's wrong with you, you know? Or actually, my, I used to work at um, Red Lobster and I got my license suspended and I would, my little brother Isaac would have to pick me up every night after and I would get in the car and I would just reek like shellfish. Like, just disgusting. Yeah, I, I, like, he can't eat red lobster to this day. They're like, what? He's like, what is wrong with you? You stink. But um, what happens when, often when we really get around Jesus, when we get in his presence, when we, when we start to, you know, consume ourselves and, and, and get into his word, people can start to smell it, and it's a good thing. It's a good smell. It's not the red lobster smell I was talking about just now. It's a good smell. And um, we, I started thinking about this idea as the, the word discipleship has just been something that's been on my heart lately. This has become a buzzword in the church. How many people have heard the word discipleship in church in the last like 10 minutes? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's, uh, it's often. People, we're hearing people talk about discipleship. And I think when we start to talk about this word, it's like we really have to get a handle on what this word is. Because through the years, a lot of times, People have used uh, the word discipleship as a cop-out to be clicky in their church. Like, well, you know, we're making disciples, so we, we're just, it's, it's us and our friends, us four, no more. Or they use it as an excuse um, to, to, you know, maybe criticize other ministries. It's like, okay, well, a lot of people are going to this church or this event, but are they really discipling people? You know, sometimes like skeptical people will ask themselves that question. I've heard people talk this way um, and, and, you know, there, there's been a lot of sort of talk around this idea of discipleship. And one thing that is I've, I'm realizing as we get into this and it, it, we start to dig into this topic is that the size of a church does not determine its ability to disciple. The values of that church determine it. And so as, as a person, when you talk about, you know, you in, in the seats of a church and wanting to move forward in your walk with God, it's your personal values that determine your ability to be discipled or not. It is actually not about, you know, what's happening around you. It's more about what's happening in you. Is, is it a personal value in you to be discipled? And, and that, that determines whether you're going to be discipled or not. Um, it's, do you hold that personal value in your life? So before we're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit more about discipleship tonight, we have to determine what exactly discipleship is because as I mentioned, and maybe you've heard before, you might have an idea what discipleship is that maybe might be the wrong one. You might think discipleship is like you have to be around this person who's older than you, a little bit more like wiser than you or whatever. Like it can only be done by somebody in a generation that's gone before you or whatever it may be. But I think we just need to determine what discipleship would look like, what biblical discipleship would look like tonight. And I, I love this, this uh, definition from Grace Seminary, a school in America, Grace Seminary. They came up with this through study of the Bible and people. The word for discipleship, sorry, the word for disciple is a learner who follows a master teacher. So we, we can all be discipled. We, we're all, all disciples. It's a learner who follows a master teacher. So if you'd consider yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, whatever in the room, is a learner who follows a master teacher. Okay, so we can all be disciples right now. We can decide. It doesn't have to be some fancy thing. That's it. Discipleship uh, meant so much more than just a transfer of information. 
It refers to, this is again from Grace Seminary, imitating the teacher's life, instilling his values, and reproducing his teachings. I'll say that again. Discipleship refers to imitating the teacher's life, instilling his values, and reproducing his teachings. And the way we're hearing this said today by the trendiest of all preachers in the Christian circuit, Mr. John Mark Comer, and and many other people you've heard, they're saying this, is to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. Have you heard that before? We have uh, John Mark Comer's spiritual nephew in the room with us tonight uh, in, in the third row here, and that's an inside joke that I'm sorry I brought up, but you can ask me about it after. I'll show you the pictures. Um, but you've, you've heard this probably um, online or whatever. It's, it's, they've, they've boiled it down to this. Discipleship is to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. So how, the, the question I sort of want to pose to you tonight is, are you being discipled? And is it working? Are you learning from the master teacher? Are you around him? Are you doing what he did? Are you becoming like him? Is Christ being formed in you? So I want to just oversimplify it tonight. How are we discipled? The number one verb of discipleship is from Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. That's an oversimplification of the verse. But the number one verb of discipleship is to come, come to Jesus. The number two verb of discipleship. So number one, come to him. Number two, verb of discipleship is to go. Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations. So number one, is come to Jesus. Number two, go and make disciples. Everything, if you look through the gospels, everything that Jesus taught can be summed up in those two words, come and go. Come and go. And, and what happens in us is in 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 16, it says, Do not know that you're God's temple, that God's spirit dwells within you, that the spirit of God dwells within you. And so as disciples, we actually have his Holy Spirit dwelling in us. That's such an encouraging thing. That's so so amazing that we don't, um, you know, back in the old days, they had the Ark of the Covenant. They had to do all this stuff to get in the presence of God. But now we have God's spirit. The Holy Spirit that Jesus sent dwells within us. And so many people take this verse out of context when they talk about being God's temple. You know, my mom growing up would even do it to us. She'd be like, you're, you're a temple of the Lord. You gotta eat your broccoli. Did your mom ever pull that one on you? They're taking that verse out of context, okay? They, you know, I don't have to eat, you know, your broccoli to be a temple of the Lord. It's that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So if we're a temple of his spirit, we have to ask ourselves, is Christ being formed in us as followers of Jesus? We need Christ formed in us because we live in a world that now would like Christ removed from it. And, and, and that's, that's just the reality of living in Canada in 2023 is that we're in what we call a secular culture, a culture that wouldn't determine morals um, by back in the day, the, the Christian morals or the Bible, they wouldn't have a, a biblical worldview on how to put things together. They'd have a se- secular one, their own set of rules. So we go to secular schools, we're in secular homes, we're in secular workplaces, we even have secular friend groups, and this is a good thing, but we just have to understand what our role is as disciples of Jesus in those settings. Secularism is a reverse exorcism. It goes where God is and it kicks him out. 
And, and that, that's, what's happened in our, that's what's happened in our schools. You know, it was like super normal for my parents, at least growing up, that they'd say the Lord's pr- Prayer in school. That we would see, let, you know, Christian values and we'd see God brought into a lot of different things and secularism goes in and it kicks God out. And what happens is disciples then come back in and our job in a secular context is to bring renewal to those places. That disciples come in and they renew. They bring God back in. So we want, first want renewal in us so that when we have that renewal in us, when we have a fresh sense of the Holy Spirit, when we are around Jesus, becoming like Jesus and going doing what Jesus does, we go and renew places that we go to. So we want renewal in us and we want renewal in our church so that we can go into our city and go and renew that. So that we can go wherever and not be scared of any place that we go, but we would go into these places and we would renew. We say, where, where I am is the smell of the smoke. You know what I, what I was talking about earlier? The smell, the smell of red lobster tonight, if, if that helps you get it in your spirit, that gross smell that I would bring into my brother's car, which I'm pretty sure he had to sell his car by the time I was done that little stint at Red Lobster because it smelled so bad. So we want renewal, and that's what disciples do. They come in and bring renewal. So how do we come compelling, miss, missional disciples for the renewal of secular, secular culture? How do we become compelling, missional disciples for the renewal of secular culture? I want to give you tonight three pillars of discipleship that um, have just been stirring in my spirit since I've I, been a I'm part of a basically a big small group that we've been working through these things together. And in November we went through this, and it's just been transformational in my life and put a lot of words and explanation to what I've been sensing for a long time. We've been we've been going through this with our staff and with some of our youth team, and it's been so encouraging. So I, we're, we're going to go through these three pillars of discipleship, as John Mark Comer would say, to be with Jesus, be like Jesus, do what Jesus did. We're going to go through presence, formation, and mission. Let's go through first presence. So we, we want the presence of God. So we want to be with Jesus. We want the presence of God. We are a people, a church as a, as a, a, as a body together, but individuals following Jesus that desire the presence of God. This is what disciples do. They want the presence of God wherever they go. This is what we saw in, uh, in Exodus 33, 15. Moses talking to God. He says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. In other words, I don't want to go anywhere if the presence of God will be squashed in that place. I don't want to go places if I can't bring the presence of God with me where I go. So I don't want to be in any situation, in any friend group, in any, you know, what, whatever at work or on a, on a date even, as we heard about these guys earlier, whatever is going to happen after young adults, we don't know. But, but we don't want to go anywhere if we're, not, if we're not bringing the presence of God with us. And hear me on this. It's our job to bring that presence there. So if we don't feel like we can bring the presence of God, we're a temple of his spirit. If we don't feel like we can bring it to a place, we don't want to go in there. If your presence doesn't go with me, don't bring me up from here. That's what we desire, his presence. We're designed to carry the presence of God. So carry it. That's what you're designed to do. As a child of God, he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell within you. Read Acts. It's a spirit that we all have access to that all dwells within us. Carry the Holy Spirit with you. Bring what you're designed to carry. Why, does, why do we see the presence of God manifest himself, you know, one place and not the other? Like, how do we get God to show up? As John Tyson says, God comes where he's wanted. 
So where, wherever we go, we, we got to decide, if, if I want the presence of God here, if I want the manifested presence of God, if I want to experience God in worship today, it's actually not the worship leader's job. It's mine as I show up to have a hunger for the presence of God to be with me where I go, and God comes where he's wanted. So if I want to experience his presence. I have to decide that I am going to be hungry before I get into that place because God comes where he's wanted. Our job as disciples is to be a people who say, God, I want your presence here. As young adults, you know, you are the, you're the future of the church in Canada. That you, you're, the, you're, you're in the midst of this thing where you might feel like your life is a mess. You might be like, you know, there, there's so much drama in my life, or you just feel like you're confused all the time, or maybe you just feel like you're in a dry season today. Can I just tell you, it's not a bunch of like, specific things that you have to get right first in order for the presence of God to show up. I just tell you, a fresh hunger for his spirit will get the presence of God to show up. So a fresh hunger in his spirit in your heart, in your home, in our church, and in this region. That's how we get God to show up. God comes where he's wanted. So as disciples, that's our job, is to desire that the presence of God would be with us wherever we go. We wanna be a church that has a great desire for the presence, the tangible presence of God. We won't agree on everything as followers of Jesus. There's people in this room who are gonna have all sorts of different viewpoints on all sorts of different theological things. And I, I just tell you, let's unify ourselves around the presence of God. We're not, we're not gonna have the same uh, viewpoints on politics. That, that's one thing I'm sure of. We're not gonna have the same viewpoints on the 15-minute city. Have you heard about the 15-minute city? A bunch of people are angry about it. Edmonton's trying to be this 15-minute city. It's a long story. But we're, we're not gonna agree on everything, but let's unify ourselves around the presence of God that we want God to show up where we are. In 2022, I did a, did you guys make that clock just way faster tonight? Or I'm, am I just, okay, they're, they're playing tricks on me. Ben is going on vacation in the morning. He's the guy that runs the back and he's trying to get me out of here to go on his vacation. Ben, shame on you uh, for what you've done with this service. Um, anyways, <laughs> I'm probably gonna go a few minutes over, over time. Is that okay, everybody? You can just do your homework in the room if you have homework. That's fine. I'm not going to be upset. Um, in 2022, I did a lot of weddings, a lot of funerals. Um, the most I've done any year. And uh, I started getting to a point where I was like, there's something off about these weddings. I mean, I'm in these weddings and there's like, it's like there's something off. And I, and then I got to the last wedding of the year. And as I did this, the last wedding of the year, it was like this simple wedding. Now Ben is trying to mess with the mic. Come on, Ben, grow up. Um, as I went to this, this last wedding of the year, as we went through this ceremony together, I just experienced like, it was like the most simple, beautiful ceremony. I just experienced the tangible presence of God in the room, like it was just like so thick and we were all just crying. And I was like, I'm crying. I'm like, why am I here? Like, this is crazy, this is amazing. And it was like the same, you know, I, spoiler alert, I pretty much do the same thing at every wedding, uh, the same message. And it was like the same message and everything. There was just a difference in the room. And the difference was, was that at every other wedding, at every other wedding, all the attention was put on all the little Pinterest details 
on all the little aspects of how the wedding was going to go. But there wasn't a focus on that we wanted God there. Like it was like I had to show up and be like, hey, guys, the minister is here to bring the presence of the Lord. Anybody want him? And it's not a knock on any, all the weddings because it's, it's all, all the same. It was, it was all like this. It's just that there was just so much other stuff going on that it was like almost like we forgot about the presence of God. Sorry if I, I married anybody in this room this year. That, I'm so sorry. I, I, uh, that is not a knock on your wedding. I, I, I don't actually know. I was just realizing as that was coming up. Um, but this one wedding, there was nothing else going on. There was no details. There was no plan. It was just a few people in a, in a room. They just wanted to honor God by, by saying the vows that day. And it was just the thick, tangible presence of God because of it. Why? Because God comes where he's wanted. He showed up. It was amazing. And it's like, we see this throughout the Psalms that David's like, I don't want to do anything if I don't experience the presence, if I don't have the presence of God with me. So we need to, to be with Jesus. We need the presence. Then we need to be like Jesus, formation. We need the presence and we need formation. We need to be like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 says, Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, being formed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. So what is, what is formation? What's Christ being formed in you? It's to think, love, and act like Jesus. It's simply that you would see Jesus formed in you, that you'd almost start to say things that you're like, where did that come from? That wasn't me. It's because you were having Christ formed in you to think, love, and to act like Jesus. We want to see Christ formed in us. See, if, if the church isn't forming people into the image of Christ, it's not good. And so that's what we want for our church. That's what we want for you, that you'd be formed into the image of Christ. We don't need to be perfect. We don't, we don't need to be perfect people. We don't have to like be like, oh, you have to be at this certain level, whatever. It's just a desire on the inside of us that we would be like Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. Look at Peter, the most encouraging disciple to me, Peter, because he's so stupid. He makes such poor decisions. And you're like, oh, don't say that about his disciple of Jesus. Read your Bible. This guy like would act out of his emotions, cut a guy's ear off. Like, Jesus, I'm going to save you. <laughs> like, Peter, you're so dumb. He's walking on water and he still loses the faith and falls in the water. Like, I'm just, I'm so encouraged by the life of Peter because he's so stupid. He doesn't learn his lesson. And I see so much of myself in him. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's encouraging that we don't have to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But if we're going to get anywhere, Christ being formed in us, it has to be a priority in our lives. Why do people get so, so many people get bored in their faith? Why do people walk away from church? Why do people just sort of wander out of this thing? It's because they aren't being formed. And if you're not around Jesus, becoming like Jesus, your faith will get boring very quickly. And church becomes a social club. And honestly, there's better social clubs out there. There, there is. There is. You, you can go on White Ave. There's better social clubs there. Like they just do a better, I'm sorry, they just do a better job. They have better resources for that. That's what they're, that's what they're all about. But we know the church is for so much more than that. And 
you know, you see it happen time and time again where people, it's not, it's often, like sometimes it is that somebody got uh, hurt and somebody went through something, but it's often that people just get bored in their faith. And you might even feel that tension today, that your faith has become a little bit boring. And you might, you might not even know where to start. You're like, every time I open my Bible, I'm bored. Or somebody told me that this morning. They're like, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you're, you know, you're preaching that way. But every time I open my Bible, I'm so bored. They're like, I can't stand it. And it, it, it just starts with a hunger. Like it just, it really does. It might sound silly, but it's what I love seeing about people come to Jesus for the first time, that it really just starts with a new hunger in us for God coming and being, and being formed in us. Galatians 4.19, Paul said, my little children for whom I, I, I'm again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone for I am perplexed about you. For Paul, this, this process was so important. It was like painful. He's just like, I just want to see Christ formed in people. He, he wanted it so bad that he compared it to childbirth. That was the pain that he felt for people. How many friends, how many people have we seen walk away just because they got bored? That they, they lost their hunger. We can't allow that to happen to ourselves. It's like, we just need, we just need a fresh hunger for his spirit a fresh hunger to, to be formed in the image of Christ that we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't even want to think a way that would be like not the way that, that Jesus would think. See, this, this is what started me. Is it was, I was like, I hate the way I've been saying things that are not what Jesus would say. And, and what I felt the Holy Spirit called me out on is because you were thinking it over and over and over. You got to stop thinking that way and you'll stop saying it. It's out, of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You just got to check yourself in your heart and say, God, I want Christ formed in me. What I love about formation is it closes the back door of the church. For people that are getting bored in their faith and just kind of slipping away and falling into, like I said, a better social club somewhere else. That it's like, it's a way that we just close the back door and say, no, not, not in me. I need Christ formed in me. There must be something better for in my discipleship than this. So presence, we, we want Christ. We want, we want presence. We want to be around Jesus. We want formation to uh, become like Jesus. And then the lastly, lastly mission, to do, do what Jesus did. It, it can't just stop at, yeah, presence of God, Christ being formed in us. Jesus had a mission. Matthew 28, 19, go, therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Life with Jesus is a mission-marked life. There's lost sheep. There's prodigals. You might even have a, uh, a sibling in the room. I was one of those siblings one time that just walked away from faith or people who need healing, people that, that need a, a social healing or like, you know, that something happened or, or emotional healing is sorry is the word I was looking for or a physical healing. Healing is the number one need in all of humanity. That's why Jesus went around healing people. He just wanted to meet needs. That's what he did in people's lives. And that's why we're on mission. It's not enough for us to be bothered when people wander away from faith, we actually have to go and make disciples. And what happens is when you start to get to know your mission, you'll start to get a little bit more focused in your faith. And it's easy to say no to what's not your mission. You just say, you know, I, I know my mission. I'm following that. One of the greatest threats of our mission is we get distracted by things that just aren't our grace in life. 
And so whatever it is that, that God has graced you with, I'd encourage you, give your resources to what you value. Give your time, energy, and your attention, and your money. I know you have it, young adults. I remember what it was like when I didn't have the rising mortgage rates of, of children and all that stuff going on in my life. It's like, do it. Follow, trust God with your life, and you will see God be faithful time and time again, and it will grow your faith in him when you start to take risks, take chances, and trust him with these things. You'll see God bless you. You'll see God take care of you. You'll see your relationship with him grow. It's like you start to take a risk and get bought in. You'll, you're just opening the door for God to bless you, for God to take care of you, for God to prove himself faithful, and for you to have a stronger, firm foundation in him. You gotta ask yourself, what can you do to make the most of this time frame in your life? Uh, Jeremiah and I were just talking as the service started about just like how precious this time is as a young adult. You guys are gonna, you know, you're gonna grow up, you're gonna move on with life, you're gonna have all sorts of responsibilities and there's this sort of beautiful time frame that you're in. I, another office re reference where Andy is like, I wish someone would tell you what, it's the good old days when you're living in them. You know what I mean? And not to say that life gets worse. I'm just saying you're in a beautiful season of your life. And it's a time to, to, to grow and, and develop as disciples of Jesus. I would say this. Here's, a, here's just a thing that I wish I would have done when I was your age, which wasn't that long ago, believe it or not. Um, at least I remember it, so that's good. Um, but I would just say this, that one thing I wish I would have done is be more kind to your friends. Just be more gracious with them. That, you know, you're, you're all in the season where you're learning who you are. You're, you're figuring out who you are. You're even figuring out your faith and uh, getting rooted in that. Just be, just be more gentle with your words. It's, man, it's, it's so worth it. So just, you're all surrounded by such wonderful people. Give them grace as they grow in their faith. So many young people are leaving the church simply because they don't think that life with Jesus matters. And as you live on mission, people will start to ask themselves questions about you. You'll start to become compelling. Your life will begin to communicate a compelling vision to follow Jesus. If you make discipleship to Jesus your aim. It takes serious process. I would say even be careful about who's discipling you. Because that's often, we have this idea that it's like a person who's going to disciple us. It's really the reality of us having the hunger to be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Discipleship is, a, is really just about stoking a fire within you. And other people will be like, man, I like watching that person burn. Like, that's interesting. I, 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 want, I want what they have. I think the problem that so many people have seen is there's a lot of cultural Christians who are happy to carry the title of a Christian, but not the responsibility of it. Jesus. I, I just feel like Jesus, like, convicting me on this. Like it was like, it was just like, he's messing with some of my thinking on some stuff. We're so often it's like happy to, I love the, the community. I love being around people, but there's a responsibility that 
is added to this. And our, our world has no interest for more cultural Christians that's just like, hey, I'm just here, but I don't actually believe this stuff, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm here for, for the friends and whatever. But when they encounter compelling missional disciples, they cannot help but ask questions. I want to show you this last slide um, that's sort of the dysfunction of what happens when we can lean too far in certain areas of these aspects. When we have all three of them operating, we become compelling missional disciples. And it's beautiful. But often, and I would say, and just so you know, we, when I was first working through this, uh, there was like 70 other pastors in the room. And uh, I sat with my group, which was about 10 of us. And all of us felt that we leaned in certain directions, okay? So you're not crazy if you lean in, in certain directions of this. But I think it's something that can help us build um, a self-awareness in us about, you know, what God is trying to do, where God's trying to take us, and how we can become compelling missional disciples. See, because if we're all about presence, we, we go into hyper-spirituality. Everybody's got an aunt like that. Like she prays before which shoes she puts on in the morning. She's like, Lord, lead me to which ones I'm going to wear. And, and, uh, or, you know, if you're all about formation, you start to get into spiritual narcissism. What happens to spiritual narcissism is like, you can't even sing the songs because you're like, I'm not sure if champion is theologically correct. I'm, I, you are my champion. I don't, I don't, you know, it's like giants fall. I don't, I don't know. That was just one time, you know, whatever. <clears throat> or you get just into into mission, and, and it's like there's no, there's no um, uh, desire for what God wants to do in that place. It's like you go in and you're like, this is what I'm going to do. And like you kind of run in with this thing. And, and then you can kind of get in, in, in between a couple of them where if she's like, I love the presence of God and I love formation, you just start to become spiritually selfish. And you're like, what? Why we got to welcome new people at church? They can welcome themselves, you know? Or why do we got to give? Like, oh, that sucks. Or if you become a lot about mission and presence, it, what happens is you become a shallow servant. It's so easy to take those people out. Like all they have to do is put them on one team. They'll serve like crazy, get burnt out, and away from church they go. Because there, there wasn't this deep formation of Christ being formed in them. Which one did I miss? Oh, formation and mission. Yeah, it turns into social activism. It's like, it's not about what the presence is, of God is gonna do and come in and humble you and mess us up. It's all about what you're gonna do and it starts to just make a mess. And Maddie, could you come up and play a little bit as we finish? I know this probably is not like the, the sexiest ending in the world, and that's okay. Um, but um, I, just, I just wanted to kind of leave this, this thought with you tonight. I don't want to preach for too much longer, but um, that what, what part of this do maybe you see yourself in? And maybe you just need, you just need a, a fresh hunger tonight that you want to be that center, that compelling, missional disciple for the renewal of secular culture. And wherever you go, you might even feel like uncomfortable. You might feel like, ah, like I'm, I'm concerned about, can I actually make an impact where I go in the world? Can I tell you that you can? But it's your job as you're with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did to ensure that you just focus on all three and allow yourself to become that compelling missional disciple. You don't have to go into your work or school tomorrow and just start like 
preaching, you know, fire and brimstone. You gotta repent today. That's, that's all good. You don't have to do that. But you can go into that place and people will start to be like, smells like red lobster in here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wish I had a better example than that, but um, it's just one little one that came to mind. It's like, oh, you've been, you've been doing some stuff. There's something going on in you. It's like, People, it's, people will start to ask questions. Huh, there's something different about you. What happens? That's what, when you start to see Christ formed in you, you're that temple. You bring him where you go. Are we gonna close with a song? Sure, yeah, you guys can come up. Um, are you all here? Oh yeah, you're here, good. Um, sorry, you can tell I was a little less prepared than I probably should have been. Uh, these guys are like, what are they, what song? Okay. Um, but we're gonna, we're gonna close with a song as we end the service. But I just think like, we can just bring it together just for like two minutes. We, we actually have to believe as, as disciples of Jesus, we actually have to believe that we have the answer to every problem we see in our city. That we have the problem to every we have the answer to every problem we see in our homes. We have the answer to every problem we see in our workplace, in our schools, in our city, in our families. We do, it's Jesus. And I just wanna ask you that question tonight. Are you being discipled and is it working? Is Christ being formed in you? our eyes just give those around you some space just to kind of ponder this as we close and I actually you can just stand on your own you can just with your heads bowed, eyes closed. Just talk to God for a second. Maybe there's something you're just so frustrated about, or maybe there's something you're, you feel confused about, or maybe you're just feeling heavy tonight. You're just feeling like, oh, this is so much work, and I have so many other things going on. I don't even have time to think about this. Would you just take a minute and just give it to God right now, invite him in. Spirit, thank you for your presence in this room tonight. And if anyone is just feeling a, a heaviness, a burden, I pray that we would do that. A number one verb of discipleship would just come to you right now, bring it to you, not trying to figure it out on our own, not trying to you know, solve every problem, but just come to you right now in this moment. 
And we just ask that you'd have your way in us. We love you. Jesus, we want to be near you. We want a fresh hunger. God, forgive us for creating this dry season on our own simply because we just weren't hungry. I just want a fresh hunger for you tonight, Spirit. Come. We come to you.